All right, guys. Part welcome. two. Yeah, welcome. You guys ready for some more Edgar, Mr. Casey? No. You're not ready? I am. Yeah, let's ready? do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Part two of Edgar Casey. Ready yourselves. It's a lot of dead baby. Whoa! She was shocked and dismayed. <laughs> I was very dismayed when um, someone tried to shoot me. I want to mess with the crevice. What? <laughs> it's not a saloon! Don't let your defendant up understand. <laughs> this is Rumors and Confabulation. So last time when we were looking at Edgar Casey. Oh, by the way, I guess we should say hi. Welcome to the podcast. It's hey, Isaac, John, Dalton. How's it going? Yeah, same people from last time. <laughs> last episode, uh, when we left Edgar Casey, he had lost his voice mysteriously, and he had been working at the Woodmen of the World Insurance Company. Mm-hmm. So I already told you guys, the Laugh King's coming back. Laugh King. But before the Laugh King came back into town. Dane Cook. <laughs> ew. Before he came back in, when he had been at Woodman of the World Insurance Company, it's the new business venture that his father, Leslie, had started. Um, the company was actually incredibly successful for a short term, and Edgar was reportedly their best salesman. Yeah. He knew it all, that mind like a steel trap. I mean, I gotta say, I think I've heard of it, of it before. I'm not sure. Maybe something else has a similar... Has a similar. Say, there's probably gotta be something that's okay. got... Well... It didn't work out for the Casey's in the long run. No. They're a part of the business. Because um, after Edgar lost his voice, Leslie... He can't be a salesman no He more. can't be a salesman <laughs> no And they basically had formed a partnership on this. So mm -hmm. uh, Leslie was trying to explain to people, to his creditors, about you know what's going on, and he eventually sold, sold everything. Oh, okay. Um, but I will point out before that that... Um, and to the people, because, yeah, if you listen to part one, you might realize that Edgar Casey, um, there's some problematic things about his family, definitely. I don't see it. <laughs> and talking about race. Oh. And um, this insurance company made a point. But Leslie's decision, this is fully Leslie's decision, but Edgar was the top salesman. He decided that they wouldn't not to do any business with African-Americans. And during the same time frame, uh, Leslie did seem to attend at least one lynching. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. It's all tracks. Um, so at the very least, Edgar Casey was supporting this behavior, if not outright believing it. He claims never to believe, that, you know, be supportive of the, that sort of behavior. But then his actions speak louder than words. Either way, Edgar was completely removed from the equation when he lost his voice. Edgar stayed at home, and he just sulked mm, once again. He's good at that. Back in bed, crying. Pouting. And Gertrude uh, and his family, Leslie especially, uh, got increasingly upset at him. Because Leslie was saying, you were my business, essentially. Like, you're the only one making <laughs> yeah. money, and now you're out of the equation. You know, since Leslie can't provide for an aunt, you know, he's he's blaming Edgar for everything. And Edgar's just sitting there crying. His sisters actually took it upon themselves to drop out of school and get jobs to support the family. Because Edgar wouldn't, and Leslie wouldn't. What's Gert, what's Gert doing? She's just living at the hill, recuperating from losing all that weight and being oh, distraught right. over that's Edgar right. when he's in Louisville. 
She's still just, yeah, she's, but she's getting mad at him because she thinks he should be getting a job and Doing stop so, sulking. Yeah. You know, yes. Can't, can't. I mean, if he can't talk, he can just go back to tobacco farming. Is there much info about their sex life? There was one little quote that I read that said that Gertrude was much more sensual than he. Gross. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't seem to me that either were sensual at all. I don't think you can be sensual if your name's Gertrude. <laughs> Well, she was also the kind of girl who would be constantly wearing, like, um, laced-up black, solid black uh, dresses that covered the entire body, you know, all the way up to the chin, you know? Victorian, yeah. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. she's that kind of person. So to call her more sensual... He's just not... He's anti-sensual. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I haven't got a boner in years. Except for Margaret. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. That secret flame. That Louisville pussy. (laughs) He did finally uh, manage to rouse himself up. (laughs) He managed. Yeah, he just, oh, (laughs) if I must. And he started to work at a photography studio. So something that doesn't require him to talk. Okay. The photography studio. Why wouldn't it require him to talk? Or is he just developing the stuff? He's taking pictures and developing them. He's not having to do anything. He's being sent out. I'm like miming. Smile. Stand together. Move yeah. closer. Just, I mean, he can just, still speak, just not. Oh, he's, but, he, but he's talking like, <laughs> hey there, boys and girls. Could you gather around for a nice picture? <laughs> okay, I get you. The uh, studio was owned by Hopkinsville own W.R. Bowles. Bowles? Bowles? Bowles. W.R. Bowles. Wow. He was a friend of the Hopper brothers, so I guess the Hopper brothers... Oh, from the bookstore, yeah. Yeah, from the bookstore. I guess they started to pity Edgar a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, said, well, maybe he can take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Edgar didn't have any comments for this, and it was apprenticeship. It was an apprenticeship at mm-hmm. first. It took him a while to get accustomed, really, to this new life, and uh, but he did start to get the hang of it, and he was actually sent back to Louisville. He went back there to attend like a little school for kind of like help his photography skills um oddly enough not a single mention of like anything that happened while he's in Louisville this time around hmm. no mention of a secret flame uh no and making how long was he there this time not long just okay. like a month or two he got back to hopkinsville and it was shortly after that that the laugh king yes. stanley hart came back jeff dunham <laughs> now once again stanley hart the laugh king is a hypnotist uh, who would mostly comedy, obviously, his name, The Laugh King. It's mostly comedy, but he would put people in a hypnotized, hypnotized hypnotic trance. Yes, a hypnotic state. Mm-hmm. Edgar was encouraged uh, by uh, friends, I suppose, it never was specified, uh, to approach the hypnotist <laughs> one more time. Uh, One more time? He did it before? Yeah, Remember, he, he tried oh. to be hypnotized before. Got it. Okay. But the Laugh King could do nothing for him. Yeah, he wasn't receptive. He was not receptive. He didn't get goofy. But this time, he approached the Laugh King to see if he could help him be cured. Not to have a laugh. So did he do this during the show? Or did so he on stage, a- oh, gee, okay. on stage, oh, Edgar no. once again appeared before the townsfolk of Hopkinsville. <laughs> <laughs> and this time he walks up there and he's rolling eyes just yeah. oh fucking oh the guy. old man again <laughs> the hypnotism it took this time and he went down actually like a sack of potatoes I mean he was 
straight into a trance. Right when hmm. the Laugh King was like, you will now be... Oh, that was fast. <laughs> like, he's right in there. Uh, and when he goes into a trance, the Laugh King starts telling him to like... They start having a conversation with Edgar while he's in the trance. When he's having this conversation, Edgar's voice booms out, completely recovered, and booms out across the you know the auditorium. Mm-hmm. The crowd cheers because they, <laughs> a lot of people in the crowd, like they said, like this man's afflicted before you know before he got up there. You know they had talked, you know, given the whole crowd the whole story, mm-hmm. and the crowd cheered, roaring. Everybody's yeah, Stanley, you're amazing. Immediately after Edgar was uh, woken up from the trance, his voice went back to a whisper. He claimed to not know that his voice had recovered, so he was told, and he's like, well, how can I get it back? So he has a psychosymptomatic disorder. It's not... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he uh, uh, he told um, the Laugh King, now turned healer, <laughs> that he would pay him $200 uh, if he could make his voice come back permanently. And uh, Laugh King said, <laughs> yeah, I'm game. So the Laugh King actually coordinated with a newspaper called the Kentucky Era uh, to kind of put the talk into the town because the Lap King was already saying, this is a good money maker. This, yeah, this kid is going to make me some cash. So he coordinates with this paper, which I think actually the paper was reported to, have, to foot the bill for the Lap King. The paper, because the paper saw a really good story, juicy story and good headline yeah. coverage too. They started, and once again, another public performance, all this stuff, exact same thing happened. It kept happening like this, even privately when he would do this with Edgar. So then eventually Stanley Hart just said, it ain't worth it, and he got on the train and never came back. So he was Edgar done with still can't talk. Edgar still can't talk. Even, even, pri- even privately he was done in the private yeah. sessions. In huh? private sessions, Edgar would talk normally when he's in trance, come out of it, whisper. Okay. And yeah, Stanley Hart had had enough. <laughs> he he had too. He's too important for this. Okay. Yeah. So the publicity though did happen. The Kentucky era went to town, and uh, it really brought all the amateur healers out of the woodwork. <laughs> Make this boy talk. One, he's a man now. I guess. Yeah, he's a yeah young he's man. Mid twenties. So yeah. At, uh, one. <laughs> Of these he was weird. Yeah, I honestly still at this time do think of him as just the boy who got poked in the balls. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you say poked in the balls, he was speared in the balls, basically. Gored. He still seems like the same kid. Yeah, he's. I mean, he still talks about the little folk. (laughs) Yeah. At least you said he don't sin no more, but still, it's like. Yeah, it's so strange because he straddles the line between old man and child at all moments. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It is so bizarre. Uh, one of these uh, quote-unquote healers was Dr. William Giroux. At least I'm going to assume that's how you pronounce that. Uh, he's a doctor, by the way, of being uh, a professor. Okay. He's a psychology professor. Okay. okay, so he's one of those Jill Biden doctors. Okay. All right. <laughs> Why are you just taking swipes of Jill Biden? No, no, just everybody's a doctor. <laughs> Dr. Martin Luther King... Oh, hey, I mean he's good. He's okay. No, All right. yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah. Don't go there. We already <laughs> have the case. He's doing theology. the job for you. I know. <laughs> Don't go there. Doctor Jerome, again, the psychology professor, arranged for Edgar. The only thing that he really he was kind of a connector for Edgar, and like he was getting the word out to other people that he knew. But the one thing that he did do for Edgar was he put on a 
display. He literally put Edgar on a display in the front window of a funeral home what to conduct a reading. He hypnotized Edgar in the display booth of a funeral home where they probably <laughs> have like caskets. <laughs> Was he? I don't understand. This Jero thought this is where he. Be, this would get the most publicity, and it sure did. People came really out of the woodwork. Now, well, I mean, at that point, you're just what the fuck. This brought this cemented Edgar in the eyes of the residents of Hawkinsville as the freak of Hawkinsville. He is the now freak. in the display case of a funeral home. <laughs> I mean, he his he is fully going. I've super never thought of now. funeral homes as even having front displays. Me neither. Well, I guess this one did. What the fuck? But he couldn't do anything for Edgar any more than the Laugh King. He's hopeless. But he sent for, and this is a real name. Okay. He sent for John D. Quackenboss. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Quackenboss. Is he a doctor? Quackenboss was a quote-unquote leading practitioner of hypnotherapy. So is he where quack comes from? That is a great question. That is a great question. John's on it. I just got to know now. Yeah, let's get back to that. I'll keep going. Quack and Boss was incredibly intrigued by Casey. It's intriguing. It is intriguing. So uh, Quack and Boss, he was not located in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He came all the way out to Hawkinsville and uh, was, got just as frustrated as the Laugh King <laughs> and said, I can't do anything for this freak. Oh, my God. I can do nothing for him. He actually got so frustrated, he put Edgar in a trance for 24 hours straight <laughs> and still nothing happened so he said there's nothing that can be done for him nothing he got back on the train and got out of there so to interject with quack it was apparently in the 17th century dutch word oh you know, dang quack salvers were people who sold medicine so they were the uh, pharmacists but so like since med- oil sales yeah so since medicine didn't always right. do something right Okay. Over time, it, wow, it Dutch turned into quacks. Well, he's the boss. Quacking boss. Quacking boss. Finally, a man named Al Lane, a middle-aged man who always appeared malnourished. Al Lane. Oh. Alan. All right. Yeah. Alan. He just, Al split, Al- his, Al- he just Al- split his name probably, up. Probably yeah. <laughs> why he didn't go by Alan, because Alan Lane is a little just... Al although Lane. Al Lane's not great. Al Lane is worse. Yeah, yeah. it just sounds like you got some kind of lilt to you. Um, well, he looked malnourished. He had... Uh, Al Lane is not a doctor. He's not a leading practitioner of anything. He's mm-hmm. just a man with an interest yeah. in osteopathy, which is working out... Basically, uh, working... You can heal yourself by the power of the mind, essentially. It's kind of... Also, like... Uh, probably early practitioner like chiropractic things like mm-hmm. that kind of came from yeah. it. Uh, if it's a psycho psychosymp- psychosymptomatic disease mm-hmm. and he's an osteopathy osteopathic doctor, then mm-hmm. that I mean those go hand in hand then together, right? Sure, but the thing is, is that he's only a doctor by literally he mailed in uh, some cash and got a little doctor di- diploma calling himself a doctor. It was a mail so, order certificate. So what you're saying is he's a doctor in the same way Jill Biden is a doctor. Joe Biden is much more qualified to be a doctor than Al Lane. I'm sorry. He's just going to keep bringing it up until you just knock him down with it. He, though, did figure out how to finally break through Dagger Casey. Wow. 
Lane, uh, his he actually had a popular, sl or he well, he was a big proponent of a popular slogan of the day for people who thought like him. The this slogan was "Every man his own doctor." That is not a good slogan. No, it's the laziest. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is the the. It's being a doctor for lazy people. Yeah, go cure yourself. Is kind of what he said. It's really, it's just not catchy enough. He claims, you know, this is actually the most empowering, you know, method. Because you, you the power of the mind can cure yourself. You can mm -hmm. cure... What if you can't, though? Well, Edgar did. Yeah, okay. Throughout February and March of 1901, Jerome, he still hadn't left Casey's side. He wasn't about to leave him like everybody Was else. Was that the had. funeral home guy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and he saw Courtney with Lane. And they worked with Casey day after day until finally Lane was like, oh, yeah, what's that slogan I'm always saying? Every man is on. Let's put him in trance and ask him to heal himself. Uh -huh. It took him a full, like, two months to come up with that, even though he's talking the slogan every day. <laughs> Why? But while in trance, Edgar was told, tell us how to heal you. How can we help you help yourself? Edgar began to speak, and this is the first time that Edgar is speaking in a, almost as if a different personality has taken over, is what other people would say about him. So and how even old he is he himself, now? But he's, but he's under trance. It's in 1901. Okay. 24. 24. He's under trance at this point. He's under trance. Okay. And I quote, This body is unable to speak due to partial paralysis of the inferior muscles of the vocal cords, produced by nerve strain. This psychological condition producing a Physical effect and may be removed by increasing the circulation to the affected parts by suggestion while in this unconscious condition. That is the only thing that will do it. Lane instructed Casey to do what Casey said. Because for some reason, he could tell you how to heal himself, but he couldn't just do, do it, it. Yeah. until you told him how to do it. <laughs> Casey, the, the quote here after that, after um, Lane gave him all the full, like, you have to work out your vocal cords by doing this and blah, blah, blah. Casey just started going, the circulation is beginning to increase. <laughs> it is increasing. <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> circulation is beginning to increase. What the fuck? It sounds like he's just getting roused. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yes. when I'm about to come, the circulation has increased. <laughs> I'm having one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and this whole time, too, Edgar's face is getting increasingly red. Like, oh, I saw the bottom of his cheeks up. He's just, like, <laughs> swelling. Just... I don't like that. Edgar then vomited blood. No! Then, when he woke up, his voice was clear. His voice was as it was a full year before. Wow. Leslie was in the room at the time. <laughs> and Leslie was just running around the room going, Good boy! Good boy! Good boy! <laughs> and see, you couldn't tell us this all at the same time, but just if, if we could, you know what I'm saying, like... Like, that's all happening at the same it's time. It's all happening at the same time. Edgar, um, this wasn't the last time that he had <laughs> issues with his voice. Um, it would continue to last for um, months where he would just go through a period <sighs> where he lost his voice. And then Lane would do the same instructions. But He's got to keep him on retainer. Yeah, basically. And uh, 
Edgar, though, it never got back to the point where he had to vomit blood to get That's his voice good. back. It was, like, less dramatic. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably unhealthy but to do it multiple times. <laughs> I will say, though, that the circulation did increase again and again. Yeah, it did. <laughs> blood pressure medication might have helped with it. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> uh, and Lane then thought, after a little while of this, he thought, hey, if you can do this for yourself, why can't you do it for other people? And thus began the career of Edgar Casey as a healer. Oh. Lane volunteered himself to be the first patient of Edgar Casey. What was wrong with Lane? <laughs> Let me tell you. Lane had a gastrointestinal condition. Again, he always appeared malnourished. <laughs> oh, this is like literally everyone who knew right. Al Lane said, he looks malnourished. And he had been suffering from this gastrointestinal condition for a decade or more. Um, and he, under with Casey under trance, started asking questions about himself. Um, Edgar gave specific and detailed methods of treatment, which included different uh, medications and even also uh, particular stretching techniques. Uh, Lane did as instructed and claimed that within weeks, his symptoms that had been with him for a decade started to vanish. And to the point within where he weeks. was completely healed huh. within weeks. Yeah, he's good. Again, though, the only people, the only two people who are corroborating the story is Al Lane and Edgar Casey. Yeah. All right. Maybe Let's Dr. Jerome. see Jerome. what happened. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Jerome. <laughs> Is Leslie still running around going, oh, good boy, yeah, good boy. Yeah. Hey, her, uh, Leslie's in a perpetual state of shouting good boy at this point because he's starting to see all the dollar that's, signs that's, around him. That's the summoning circle. It's him running around. Instead of doing a circle of salt, it's just Leslie running around. Good boy. Good boy. <laughs> the circulation is increasing. <laughs> Good boy. You just good pic boy. picture this as a ritual, and it's just like Edgar was reported while in trance to speak with that clear confidence, but he gave these uh, treatment plans as just like he was in conversation, like it was nothing special. It was just you know he, but he was spoke with just such clear confidence that other doctors would say, "Well, he sounds like a doctor," is what they okay. said. Edgar Casey remembered none of his readings. He is subject to what Al Lane is telling him. When he says that, when Al Lane says, I am, you have cured me, Edgar's like, oh, wow, cool. Hmm. Uh, awesome. Mm -hmm. He didn't know. Claims to not have known. Right, yeah. Before long. <laughs> these, these three are like fucking, they're, they're, they're all like a unit now. Yes. It, no, <laughs> like, this is they're, the, they're a posse. This is the first time where, and this is going to happen a lot throughout the rest of this series. Edgar has a little posse. Yeah. The and B team. <laughs> this group is a, the first, just the first of many. Okay. Before long, word was <laughs> spreading throughout Hot Town about the miraculous way in which his voice had recovered and the one who did it, Al Lane. People began coming to Lane in order to get to Casey to heal themselves. Okay. So Al Lane... Again, started to see the dollar signs that everyone else had started to see. Leslie also picked up on this, and that's where really this unit was forged. That was the glue, let's say. He started reading for people to heal them. It became kind of a kind of a business. His first cousin, Florence, had an illness that was just described as, quote, a woman's disease. She was healed of it, so Edgar got her. Uh, then, William Salter. That is his future father-in-law, Gertrude. Mm. Oh. Uh, because they would get married. Oh, okay. They would eventually get married. 
But he was also a had been a star of the Hopkinsville moguls. Oh. Yeah. That's how they got some money. Remember the hill? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hopkinsville moguls. Um, and they both, both Florence and William, totally, they both said they were totally healed. But again, these are people that are close to Edgar. Yeah. And his they're, they're in his, not inner circle, but part of his... Largest, they're part of his world. Yeah. You know, there's no outsider. His sphere right of now. influence type of deal. Yeah, they're, it's not somebody else. Yeah. So Lane took it upon himself to get a small office that he occupied in his wife. His wife had a shop. And he took a small office in the back of his wife's shop to conduct business for Edgar Casey. Mm. He's basically okay. doing bookkeeping for the readings. Uh, <laughs> Edgar, around this time frame, actually did around 80 uh, readings. Over the course of over the course of just like this year, oh yeah, he was got busy pretty quick. Yeah, and um, they enlisted the help of and if you guys have another way of pronouncing this, please tell me. But Addy Papool, Addy Papool, yeah, it's P apostrophe Pool, Paul, Addy Papool. She worked as a stenographer. Addy Papool. It's like you roll your R's, you roll your P's instead. Uh, well, Addie worked as a stenographer for their readings. Wow. She got a whole yeah. operation going yeah. on. They started the unit. Yeah. She just had a separate button for good boys. So she didn't have to type it out. <laughs> I mean, ran in a circle. <laughs> Is he there, really? And Leslie was there for most of these readings. Oh, that's great. <laughs> or she just had it, she had it pre-printed on the side of the paper. Yeah. <laughs> just already raring to go. God. <laughs> the uh yeah actually i should say the only other person who witnessed these readings other than Addie and al was leslie yeah not even not carrie his mother egger's mother uh not none of Edgar's where's, siblings where's jero jero i guess was had finally been like oh, well if they're oh. if they're not doing it in the funeral home anymore then yeah, <laughs> yeah i only operate in the funeral home display case <laughs> <laughs> so not everything, though, went over so smoothly during this time. Edgar was only um, able to perform the readings if if his specifications were met. Oh, he's a diva. Well, of course. It's Edgar Casey. That's one thing we should have learned by now. <laughs> he's a diva. Uh, he must not have eaten beforehand. Don't let him eat. Even if he wants to eat, don't let him eat because oh, he's going to have indigestion later. That's literally, his, he's just like, I'm going to have an upset tummy if you let me eat. <laughs> what does that have to do with this, though? Apparently, when he would wake up, if he had ate like at least an hour beforehand, he would wake up with just his stomach roiling. All right. I don't know. He would always lay down for these readings. And he was literally, a lot of the time, laying down on like a black leather couch. Like, what you think of for, like, the therapist yeah. kind of, yeah, that kind of thing. Sometimes he would just lay on the floor, though. For some reason, he liked that, too. Okay. So, he was always laying down the flat. If you hovered a hand or an object over him, he would mid-sin and stop talking. And he wouldn't start back talking again until you removed your hand or the object that's hovering over him. So, this kind of comes more into play later on in his life. But that's just kind of an oddity. Don't interrupt Don't him in with any him. way. Yeah, Lane um, again was the only person who was having you know like actual interactions with the trance Casey, and he started noticing that trance Casey was different than regular Edgar. Uh oh. He started calling this the higher self, 
Edgar uh, totally agreed with this. Thought that felt right, <laughs> and they it came to be known as the Source. Okay. Right. This whole other personality. I was expecting a cool nickname, but it's the Source. This whole other personality cool. came to be okay. Known yeah, as I guess the source. Taking the source. It had its it, even its own sense of humor, according to Lane and others. What does that mean? I you'll see later. <laughs> I have some specific things. I'll get to it later. For right now, I want to tell you just about kind of a more notable uh, one of his earlier readings. So the first time. Casey diagnosed an illness from a long distance because this was possible for Edgar, so they claim. It was for a man named Bill Andrews who lived in New York. He mailed in a request having heard <laughs> about, uh, you know, the because Quackenboss wasn't from Kentucky. Other people weren't from Kentucky that were starting to get into Edgar's life at this time. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Casey was able to describe the man despite never having seen him, and uh, he said that the man was suffering from a stomach disorder Despite, also, that's one thing for Edgar. He didn't want to know any information about the subject beforehand. I don't know if that was a point of pride. Or <laughs> well, to like, he, if he didn't, if his trance state, he didn't remember any of it anyway. He just didn't want True. to. Like, yeah. he, he wanted that to be. He kind of claims like it would be muddying the waters a little bit. Well, uh, his subconscious would know it or some yeah. shit. And, but yeah. So he told uh, Bill Andrews, again, through letter, this is what he told Al and then Al... Well, I guess Addie wrote it down, and then they sent that off to Bill. Mm -hmm. He told him that he needs to find some clary water. No one knew... Did you mistype clear water? No one knew what clary water was. Clary bland water. <laughs> it's literally spelled out C-L-A-R-Y. Okay. Clary water. Bill Andrews <laughs> tried to find it. Um, he went into every pharmaceutical he could go to. Cannot find one. Y'all got clary water? <laughs> no. Y'all yeah. got clary water? No. I need, I'm, I'm going on a snipe hunt. I need some clary water. <laughs> he, he got... A bottle of headlight fluid on him for the way back. <laughs> <laughs> he got uh, so enraptured with the idea of finding some clary water that he... Uh, put in an advertisement in the Journal oh of American Medicine. What a fucking sucker. Clary water. Jeez. <laughs> and he sent another letter to Edgar because no one had responded to his ad and saying, what's Clary water? Edgar replied back with a recipe for Clary water. And this recipe goes as follows. Distilled water as the base. Again, we're going old school alchemy here. <laughs> Dissolve some garden sage. Let me look up an ambergris real quick. Okay. See so we we can know what it is because I've heard of it before. That's just the first time I've heard of it. Oh, it's the thing that they, they used to get as a byproduct from killing whales and stuff. Yeah, um, basically oh, okay. whales like it. It's kind of like cow cud. No, and it's not cow cud, but um, I'll just read it. It's a flammable substance, a dull gray or blackish color, produced in a digestive system of sperm whales. It's why they got the name sperm whales because this thing just looked like a dried big wad of. Oh. Okay. Nice. Yeah, and okay. they used yeah, and it's and it smelled like rubbing alcohol without the instrument. Ah, yeah. okay. So if anybody didn't know what amber picture yeah. of it is, and then like, Look. yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's, but it, but it's always been something that like perfumers would use. But you would just literally use this tiny little bitty minute amount, right? And yeah, so also something very easy to get, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's very rare. So let's <laughs> go. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. Distilled water as the base. Dissolve garden sage. Dissolve the whale sperm stuff. Amber grease. Amber grease. Dissolve, put in syrup. Put in cinnamon. Then add <laughs> grain alcohol. Oh, hell yeah. Grain. Everclear, bitch. Has Heaven Hill started up yet? That's not, that's not grain alcohol. No, that's no. vodka. Well, and bourbon. 
Well, yeah, and bourbon, yeah. But grain alcohol, yeah, we're talking... Everclear, baby. Yeah, that type of alcohol. Get fucked up! And, Dalton, you should like this. The Mm -hmm. last but most key ingredient, specifically Gordon's Gin. What? Nice. Why do you have to specify the brand? Gordon's Gin. (laughs) Yes, James Bond's Gin. (laughs) Okay, okay. And this is before James Bond. Yeah, no. I mean, he, Edgar's he working on like a sponsorship situation here. Um, so Bill did, as instructed, and claimed to be cured after taking this, but he's probably just so drunk off of this drink mm-hmm. that he just um, man, it probably produced something else besides this drunk too many. So yeah. your stomach just woo. Yeah, I don't even want to know. Clear you out. Oof. So Casey, his powers were not limited just to curing people, though. Casey was able to actually look into people's lives. Oh, if you're going to say he can also curse Yeah, them. I was getting ready to be. <laughs> Interesting that you bring uh, that up. Remember Yeah. That. So he could look into people's rooms if prompted to. So he was remote viewing back in the day. He would have, now he would have to be told like a certain address or like a certain thing to be looking for, for him to be able to do this. So it wasn't just like he was just like, oh, the neighbor across the street. He's doing something weird. No, he would like have to be prompted to say, okay, this patient is looking for this or this patient is here. He would actually correct people sometimes. Like one father said, my son is in the, or no, he said my wife. Yeah, he said my wife is in the farmhouse and Edgar said, no, she's not. And then he went, oh, wait, she's in the cellar. Yeah. That's great. Me. Yeah. No, no, not that he said it. The, the husband was like, no, she's in the cellar. <laughs> I forgot where I put her. And it's just like, oh, no, she was just fishing out some wine. I know, I'm just being weird. <laughs> yeah, he could even exclaim sometimes, like, sometimes he would just be laying there and goes, hmm, this window has a good view. Yeah, <laughs> just make odd little comments like that. He even helped some investigators solve crimes. Okay. Yeah. He was a full we need superhero. Casey on the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Despite all of this, Edgar Casey did claim to have some sort of shame over using his quote-unquote gift. And uh, what he felt ashamed of was, or so he claimed, because honestly, I don't know that he actually felt ashamed of anything because of his the way his actions speak to something different than mm-hmm. shamed. Mild but, narcissism. Yeah, I, I think he's saying that for Gertrude, because Gertrude never liked any of this. She oh, never was on board. That with sucks. So um, he said that he didn't like how freely uh, he was doing it because he thought, like Thomas, his grandfather, he could anger God because he was yeah. a God-given gift. Uh-huh. So he began to spend more time, less on his healing, which if he actually believed in what he's doing, then less time helping people tangibly and more time on his photography. Oh. Yeah. He actually uh, found his way uh, to Bowling Green, Kentucky, which is currently the third largest city in Kentucky behind Lexington and Louisville. Uh, It's western Kentucky, Mm -hmm. southwest Kentucky. Um, Not completely west, but yeah, it's down there. In Bowling Green, Edgar founded a small studio for his photography. And in April of 1902, uh, Edgar moved to Lafayette, Kentucky, which is getting a little closer. And then finally, just after only like three days there, I think he moved to Bowling Green. It was odd. I don't know why he even was like trying hmm. to set up the shop there. Um, he was offered a job by Lucian Potter at a bookstore, not his uncle Lucian. I was gonna say, that's the yeah. second time we heard his name. And it's another kinda... bookstore. He got offered a job at a bookstore on the and Edgar accepted on the condition that he could use the small space that was behind the bookstore as his photo studio. And that's what he did. And they, they accepted. And once again, though, he left Gertrude totally in the dust. 
Man. So you did not come with him. <laughs> Why wouldn't she go to Bowling Green? I mean, I'm not going to Louisville is one thing, but like... Why hasn't she gone either time? It's a good question. Well, the first time they were just engaged, they weren't married. The married. source that I had, but which, by the way... two years. Right, and they are engaged. They've been engaged already since uh, 97. Have they got married yet? No. How oh, many shit. years has it been? It is now 1902. <laughs> oh, all right. And, yeah, they're still not hmm. married. By the way, I should really note, because I haven't yet, the primary source here is a book called Edgar Casey, an American Prophet by Sidney Kirkpatrick. It's filled with some bias, um, but it's a very good source on his life. And at the time was like the largest compilation of his like private letters and things like that. So it's really the most like in-depth, just biographical look into his life. Mm. So that is what I'm taking most of my resource off of. Uh, some other things, documentaries and whatnot, but um, this is the primary resource. So, Thank you, Kirkpatrick. Yes. Sydney. Edgar uh, in Bowling Green took a room at a boarding house, and uh, he got to work. He actually had some, you know, giddy up this time around. And he joined a local church. Once again, he lo joined the local Christian Endeavor chapter. He taught Sunday school. Oh, these are, these, this, yep, he taught Sunday school. Yep. Man, Once again. This is getting weird. Yeah, he has a this pattern. He has a clinical <laughs> pattern. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was during this time in the boarding house and in the church because um, he that he founded a uh, card game that can still be purchased today called Pit. P-I-T. P-I-T, Pit, mm. which I have. We will play and we will tell you, the audience, about it. And you can go and find it. You can go find it. It's Parker Brothers. I mean, it's, it's... It sounds fun. Yeah, it does. It's about, like, commodity trading. Um he founded the he founded this game along with um, a man a friend of his named Louis Darter who was at staying at the boarding house I believe with him, um, but they had formed a committee based around the church that they were in the Christian Endeavor chapter they were in mm -hmm. um, to organize parties at a local YMCA. <laughs> that was literally their committee that they formed. <laughs> I guess they wanted church parties at YMCA. Why not just have it at the church? <laughs> Get a bigger crowd? Uh, okay. I don't know. And during it was during one of these meetings that Edgar, who's just listening to these guys in the committee just flapping on about commodities <laughs> and trade, that Edgar was like, huh, I have an idea. Wow. And a friend of theirs, who was like an art teacher, actually handmade all the cards for them. Huh. And um, Edgar, not really understanding much about you know people, um, sent out a sample deck and the rule book that he had crafted to Parker Brothers directly. They sent him a letter back with a $6 check saying, thank you. And before long, <laughs> Pitt was being distributed nationwide. Oh, fuck. Edgar Casey did not receive another dime. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like amazing and it sucks at the same time. <laughs> it was like, dude. He talked to a lawyer to try to get involved in, like, a lawsuit, and the lawyers said, you're screwed. Sorry. I mean, just think where they, this story would have went in a different turn if he had got a little bit of money off of that. I right. mean, No, he would have totally, yeah. This, I mean, because Pitt is still sold today. Shit. It was a nationwide, like, a hit. It was actually, Pitt was referenced on the TV show Freaks and Geeks, which is a cult classic TV yeah, show. it's just... Like, it is a... My parents have played Pitt when they were kids. Like, this is Man. a legit game. We're definitely going to have to try it out now. Oh, you have to. 
Alling would still visit Casey from time to time because he still had to fix his voice from time to time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had to get a tune up. <laughs> he seriously would have to get a tune up from time to time. Yeah, he just all of a sudden, I'm getting whispery. <laughs> Oh no! He just start talking. Just again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like leaving him like a balloon. It's just like. <laughs> but not only would he recover his voice for him, he also would bring him some new patients. Just not at the clip that they were hitting. Yeah, they have like a, they have an understanding. Yes. And uh, one of these, one highly discussed case from this time was uh, it was August of 1902. It involves a professor Dietrich. This guy doesn't really have much importance aside from this case and that he would eventually bring a lot of people into the Casey fold, if you will. Yeah, Casey fold. <laughs> Sorry, it's an odd description. Cracks and crips. Um, Dietrich wanted help for his mentally challenged daughter. Dietrich was dubious about the whole thing, but um, finally relented because Lane was like, he can help, he can help, he can help. I tell you he can help. Uh it should be known that Dietrich is wealthy. Uh, okay. So Wayne really wanted this big fish. And after a lengthy process of Edgar, um, he had actually met the little girl, but then was like, that's too much. I don't want to see this. This is sad. I just want to go back to sleep and tell you how to cure her. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. After a lengthy process, um, he said that the reason she's mentally challenged is because of an injury that she had had done to her spine as a child. And that... If she did these specific adjustments... If she ran out and stopped life. in front of traffic. Yeah, <laughs> it was a baseball to the back. And then start jumping in ditches up and down. And like, yeah, after she a while... hopping in ditches? Now, if you'll just stick a nail straight through your skull, <laughs> you'll get better. You don't have <laughs> testicles, so we're going to have to figure this other part out. <laughs> well, no. They uh, followed everything that did not include putting anything harmful into this okay. little old body. That's okay. good. She reportedly just became better and better and better and eventually was a uh, college graduate. Edgar. But Gertrude, having heard all of this and everything, she didn't care. And she was still just (laughs) horrified by her fiancé. What a bitch. Um, Because the newspapers were consistently coming out with stories about Edgar Casey at this point Uh in Hopkinsville. It almost makes him seem more credible when she's just like, no, this is fucking stupid, but he keeps doing right. it. So everybody's like, it's not like his wife's like backing him, like she's getting something out of this. She's like, no, this is fucking stupid, fuck That's off. That's true, but this is a guy who really loves attention. Okay, clearly. good point. And, because, um, I mean, he would pout when he didn't get it. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mild yeah. narcissism, like yeah. I said. Like he's... However... Even though she hated all of this, they finally got married. Yeah. Finally, June seventeenth, nineteen oh three, they got yeah. married. <laughs> Leslie's running around outside the yeah. church, going, "Good boy, good boy, good boy." Yeah. The wedding came and went, no hiccups. Although, wow, that is very surprising. It was reported though that Edgar, throughout the whole process, did they kiss? They kissed. Oh, okay, but Edgar looked terrified to all guests every guest said gertrude beautiful wife egger what a freak <laughs> i mean he just looked terrified the whole time big bug eyes he just he didn't know how to behave at it all seems right and finally gertrude moved to bowling green with egger so finally did they living. get a house or she just moved into boarding house boarding so room. they were um he couldn't no longer stay in the boarding house because it was a singles only boarding house mm. 
So they moved into a different boarding they house. They didn't want no hanky-panky in that boarding house. No, they didn't. So they eventually moved to a different boarding house that would allow couples. Alain didn't... <laughs> Still can't get up. Alain. Alan. <laughs> he didn't like the this, actually. It's hurting business. It was. He kept asking Edward oh, to come back to Hopkinsville. Oh. He thought Gertrude would actually get him back to Hopkinsville, but she actually went to Bowling Green. Yeah. And he's like, come, come on, come on, come on, come on. He actually even offered Edgar Casey a full salary to come back. Wow. So what, he wasn't really making that much before this then? Oh, because he was no, he, was make, he wasn't the... really making anything out of the readings. He, Lane was, but yeah. he himself uh, okay. wasn't. Okay, so he was he was making money with the yeah. bookstore and the photo. The yeah. photo, photo, photo. Fuck. Photography. Yes. That's not even aware of that man. <laughs> this invariably caused a rift between uh, Gertrude and Edgar. I mean, obviously. I mean, another rift. Between they the barely two. lived together anyway. Right. So it's not like... They didn't even have a honeymoon, and they're already mad at each other. I mean, they literally didn't take a honeymoon. She moved to Bowling Green the next day. Yeah. Edgar kept on conducting more readings. He kept... He actually... He was like... In between the two. He was like, I get what you're saying, honey, but he's got a point. Mm. He kept doing the readings, even though Gertrude was kept telling him to stop. And to, it got eventually to where Lane, once again, a mail-order doctor, let's just make that clear, <laughs> who had put a sign in front of his shop back in Hopkinsville saying, Dr. Lane, now, took, he just took full advantage of Edgar Casey and just started, kept spreading the news more and more and more. To eventually where he spread it to the Bowling Green Times Journal. Edgar Casey was not known as being... Because he kept all of his readings even separate from his friends that he made in the church in the boarding oh, house. okay. This was only between him, Lane, and Gertrude. Okay. And Leslie, of course. <laughs> after the story ran, because Lane talked to, directly to journalists, after the story ran, Lane was told not to practice medicine Again, because they found out about his sign where he's, to act, you know, as if he's a medical professional. They said you have to get some sort of schooling. So he actually uh, left and kind of got rid of a bit of the problem because he just left Hawkinsville and started attending the Southern School of Osteopathy in Franklin, Kentucky, which is right on the Tennessee border mm -hmm. above Nashville, just north of Nashville. After this, though, uh, Gertrude... She was still just not happy. She actually, at one point, even threatened to just straight up leave Edgar over all of this. I mean, well, he did it twice to her. So I mean, she right. what did yeah. she expect from him? Exactly, though? that's my question. I mean, Gertrude. although I, it, one does wonder. It how, is nineteen hundreds, and yeah, it's just kind of like there's that. And he is a catch. Uh, uh. He's a catch, not one that you want to throw back in. But he's a catch. You're like, oh fuck! <laughs> you pull that fish up into water, and you're like, ooh. But he may not, she may not have known that much about all this because uh, yeah. she, he kept she, it a secret from his best friends. She's just hearing snippets and gossip yeah. on it. Yeah, hearing. she's hearing more from the press than she is from him. Mm. And you know how people, uh, people have always been dubious of the press. So, yeah. mm -hmm. After this, though, Gertrude did convince Edgar to move back into Hawkinsville. I think she wanted him back in Hawkinsville. I think she would have convinced him to come back to Hawkinsville if not for Lane being there. I think once he left, she felt oh, she safe, didn't, uh, yeah, there, safe yeah, I see. to come back to Hawkinsville. I see. So they moved back into the hill with her parents, and uh, they basically just started mooching off of her family. Nice. Um, uh, literally. They just got, like Just like his papa. <laughs> yeah. They got her family because her um, 
parents were, um, her father had passed, I believe, at this point in time, mm-hmm. and control of the uh, estate went to the kids, basically, as kind of a joint unit. They all, somehow, they were, they loved Edgar. Like, her sisters and mm. her uh, aunts, who were also kind of younger, they were, it was kind of a strange family makeup where her aunts were just, like, probably 10 years or less older than her. Oh. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. They loved Edgar. And that's, again, that's where they got into the talks of occult. That's where they, like, educated. Mm. You know, Edgar was a full part of all this, like, pseudo-intellectual society that they had created. <laughs> Even though he Hill. dropped out of school at, like, yeah. fifth, was it fifth? Sixth grade. Yeah, shit. But they decided that they were going to mortgage out their home, their family home, which is a mansion mm. on a hill. I mean, it's a named yes. building. So, yeah, it's like they decided to mortgage it out to help finance Gertrude and Edgar. Oh, wow! What? Yeah, so that they that they could buy a whole new photo studio for Edgar back in Bowling Green. Jesus! And this time, he was taking the business venture completely on his own, not in the back of someone else's uh, store. He was a full time photographer. With a studio. And so they were coming back to Bowling Green after they you know, went through their whole tribulations in Bowling Green. Now they're back and they're in business. And it wasn't that easy to move back then. He's like, dum, 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 it was bouncing. for him. The Casey's have a real, they have a real power of move. I guess. <laughs> they can really move. They love to move. Leslie's already moved them. Maybe people just get like, tired of him quickly. That like, could be you Clear out of here soon. Yeah, part of me wonders how much it is voluntary. Edgar uh, went full force in with the photography now, uh, even though he was an awful businessman. Always was he. Was he at least a decent photographer? Yeah, he was actually reported. He um, actually won like a prize in like a county fair Uh, type deal. (laughs) County fair. But no, I mean, he was still though, like he got a lot of business. I guess county fairs were a little bit bigger back then in terms of... Yeah. No, I and mean, he did. Yeah, it was a bigger deal, and mm. he did get a lot of business actually in the photography business. Uh, he was he was just shitty with the books, is what you're saying. That kind of he, stuff. He, with that, and he would actually give free photography if he felt bad for the person. He'd be like, "I'll just come on in for free." Uh, <laughs> so he did a bunch of pro bono yes, stuff. Yeah, okay. a lot. He he won best photographer in the in the uh, tent right next to the one where they had the best pig call contest. <laughs> Insert the. Yeah. <laughs> And, and he got second place for best funnel cake. You no, know, he didn't. No. But I really wish he had. <laughs> Cause, uh, Just you know, something, something that never... gives him some like lightness to him. He's, He's so self serious. Yeah, I mean, he is. What does he do for fun? Read the Bible. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, you ask what he likes to do in his free time, though. Mm-hmm. Give readings. Now mm. he didn't give it up, even though Al Lane was gone. Yeah. He still didn't give it up. Is he still doing readings from his trance state? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. And he got, so he has to have someone conduct it for him because he's just in a trance state. He doesn't know. He, he, the man, Edgar Casey, doesn't really have possession of his body at this point. Allegedly. Yes. So he gets his friend, Dr. John Blackburn. Uh, This is a man that he met uh, while he's staying at the boarding house in Bowling Green, uh, previous to his marriage. And because Al Lane is, he's actually in a uh, medical school. I mean, it is for osteopathy, but he, he's there. <laughs> and, but so, 
Lane and Edgar, though, they had created a, a little leather black book where they would write down how to conduct his readings, what to say, the suggestions to make to get him to the place where he can help heal. So it was actually, if you were of a certain mind, it became possible for really anyone to conduct these meetings for Edgar. Blackburn was immediately on board. He had no knowledge, though, of Edgar Casey's readings because him and Al Lane, you know, had been keeping it secret. Right. So he had no knowledge of it until this point, even though they had been living, like, right next door to each other for mm -hmm. He's like, quite a while. Let me let you in on a little secret. Yeah, yeah. and Blackburn said, I am down. Mm -hmm. He, uh, Blackburn actually took a step further. He said, I, not only am I down, I know of a whole group of guys who are going to be down for this. And he created a little coalition of doctors that would study Casey for the next year and a half. Blackburn would later say of his uh, Edgar Casey experience, he said, sometimes amusing, sometimes exciting, and very often disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of doctors, though? Are these like doctor doctors or like... It's a collection of um, mostly like psychology and... Okay. Uh, so it's doctor of, it's not medical. But what are they like yes. studying him They're studying to, to see both if he is um, fibbing. For, oh, you know, okay. They're trying to figure out if he's, if there's any sort of medical grounds to the things that he says. Mm. Because everything that he says is this holistic approach mm. to medicine. So he, I mean, he gives like stretching techniques instead of like, here's a pill, you know, right. type of deal. So they're trying to figure out, is there any sort of science behind anything that he says? But I, I'm asking, so they do they legitimately want to know, or are they working toward the desired outcome of proving him legit? Okay, all right. That's well, a, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, that's an interesting point because... I mean, you just said this guy immediately is like, I got some friends, so... Yeah. And you can obviously see they're going to get some notoriety from Edgar Case right. from studying him. Absolutely. They're building their brand. It's a big deal. Would. Yeah. They're... So they would ask him, though, they just went on a string of questions. This is the first, like, real, like, people are analyzing him. Because Al Lane was definitely more of a... He's a collaborator. Yeah. he Yeah. And these guys are really just full on asking, seeing the boundaries yeah, as much as they bit, can. Yeah. And um, Edgar Casey, while in, you know, as the source, his <laughs> answers were always very cryptic to the questions that they would ask. Uh, one of his most like famous kind of quotes in trance reads, "Mind is the builder; the physical is the result." Okay. And he went on All to right. say, "Every <laughs> thought is a deed. What is held in mind largely determines the content of the experience." You keep saying yeah. these quotes in this deep voice when... It's the source. Oh, it's the source saying these, not yeah, Casey's not, saying... Yeah, this is the source. I was going to say, because if you do this in Casey's voice, it has a whole no, different connotation. Mind is the it. builder. Some of this the stuff sounds kind of Dune-esque. It's possible he <laughs> might have seriously inspired Frank Herbert. I'm just going to posit that. Hey... Because, okay. like, the whole mantra of Dune is fear is the mind yeah. killer. Yeah. That sounds like something he would have said. That's, you know, that is definitely something he would have said. There was a interesting reading from his Dr. Blackburn time uh, that I just want to dip into real quick. It was for a superintendent of the Southern Railroad who asked Edgar after a, an accident on the railroad, 
about like what happened basically he's just trying to get to the bottom of it edgar told them that a or sorry the source told them that a person an individual caused the accident and he said quote if the one person we have given that caused this trouble is allowed to remain in the service he will before the first of december be the direct cause of an accident which will mean the death of the one who refused this information it will happen in virginia and west virginia so they're saying that'll happen if they don't oust the, yes. the one person who's... Yes, but he didn't tell them who it was. Okay. So the man who asked for the reading did not act on this information. <laughs> yeah. He didn't find the perpetrator of the accident, and he would die about a year later in a railway accident, which it was basically he was like a, on a detached car, and the train just came right into the car that he was on, completely crushing his car, and it pushed his car from West Virginia into Virginia. Wow. But I was, he wasn't even on a siding or something. He was just in a lone car, just kind of just just, on the uh, track. Pulverized. Yeah. So, in the years, somewhere in the time of 1905 to 1907, a little uncertain, but in this kind of time frame, uh, Edgar Casey, he had a buddy who's a professor another professor type guy whose name was joe dickey he helped edgar casey set up a correspondence with the first of many big time names joe dickey introduced edgar casey to thomas edison and nikola tesla all right. It wasn't in like the same meeting, was it? Was it separate? No, it was separate. Okay, I was yeah. getting right second. I'm not sure how Joe Dickey had correspondence with those two names, but he's they... usually the third name you hear. It's like <laughs> Edison, Tesla, Dickey. <laughs> uh, not much, unfortunately, is known about the correspondence or the how far it went, especially him with Tesla, because I mean Tesla's also the the stranger duck of the two. Yeah, Edison was <laughs> That's just a an, nice way to put it. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, but then Edison was just an Actually, asshole, Edison, so. yeah. Edison did issue a statement about it shortly before his death. They asked him about his meeting with him, and he said, who? <laughs> he was too busy shocking hey. us. Yeah, have you seen that? That's pretty unpleasant. Uh-huh. It is unpleasant. <laughs> um, they do know that Edgar Casey at least had a... Uh, letter like exchange they would write letters to each other with edison oh that's sweet there are some people who would even hint at edison trying to steal edgar casey's ideas (laughs) what ideas is he coming (laughs) out yeah so really so there's i won't get onto this too much because (laughs) it, it takes some weird routes if you really follow this path but the source would often especially around this time frame talk about building things like material things out of like equipment and tools and things that use electricity. He came up with these wild schematics that like no one could make. So he's like a, he's like a shitty, more modern version of defensey. Sure. Yeah. I mean, nothing though that he invented, you know, ever came to fruition. Well, I mean, one, there a was bunch of one reading. Da Vinci did never came into fruition sure. and it was just on paper, but there was one reading that a guy said that he made something based off of a blueprint that Casey gave him, and it turned out really good for him. Like, he got a patent on something, and uh, yeah. But we have no idea what it is. I'm not sure. And uh, the main thing what is that uh, they both said things, similar things about uh, vibrations, people having vibrations, and how to mm. harness some sort of the vibration patterns of people. It, it, yeah. yeah. 
you see people all the time just sort of <laughs> vibrating. Got to harness that. Also, if Pitt taught us anything, just fucking steal his idea, Edison. He won't do shit. <laughs> yeah. Just if, steal it. If Edison taught us anything, just steal it, Edison. That's exactly right. Just be like, yeah, I came up with the source. <laughs> oh, he's going to take credit for everything. <laughs> yeah. Edgar Cayce, I created him. <laughs> he is mine. In the same time frame, um, there's a few odd stories that took place during the correspondence with the doctors, the committee of doctors that Dr. Blackburn had set up. The first of these being in 1906, Edgar Casey was pronounced dead. Wow. He just passed out. And during, was this responding. during a trance or just no. outside? Okay, it was just so this outside. is okay. Because strangely, sometimes Edgar Casey, the man, is just b- more bizarre than the source. <laughs> Even I believe that. So. so he, yeah, he just passed out. Uh, Blackburn was with him when he passed out. Blackburn couldn't do anything to revive him. Uh, so Blackburn uh, took him home and still couldn't get him up. He finally, uh, so uh, to the point where they just, doctors came in and analyzed him and said, well, he's not responding, he must be dead. So they couldn't. (laughs) The paper the next morning put out (laughs) that he's dead. Wow. Yeah, and Blackburn stayed with him throughout the whole night, and in the morning he woke up and was feeling kind of chipper. Did no one, like, put a mirror under his nose or take pulse? or Maybe the doctor's just like, please let him be dead. Please let him be dead. We're just so tired of him. And that's what led to him writing his famous book, I Spent a Night in Heaven. <laughs> that's probably how most know him. No, he didn't write that book. No. Unfortunately. Okay. He, I feel like he could have, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it just says, written by Edgar Cayce, forward by the source. <laughs> <laughs> I Okay, keep that thought in mind, actually. And then later. the book jacket that has the, the like, the... the Commendations from like the newspapers and stuff. Oh, the yeah, the blurbs. There, there's, there's just like one quote that says, Good boy. Hyphen <laughs> <laughs> <been> Leslie. <laughs> yeah, Leslie Casey. Speaking of Leslie, Leslie would. Um, oh, he's still alive, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. He would go with Edgar. Now, four months after they thought he was dead, he yeah. would go with Edgar to uh, a presentation <laughs> of sorts. Edgar himself was to be presented to the County Medical Society. Dr. John Blackburn had set this up. They themselves, the whole medical board of Christian County, or not, sorry, this is uh, Warren County. Yes, right. Warren County now wanted to take a look at Edgar Casey, and they wanted to do some experiments on him. Oh, no. So, okay, first of all, they brought out a man to be uh, the treated contr- yeah. by, he had like a mild illness going on, but they had him in a separate room, so Edgar didn't see him beforehand. They had Edgar go into trance. The source came about. They told him to treat him. The source um, probed the man for a moment, said he had located him, and then said, there's nothing I can do here. I can't help. Or or really more just kind of, some people just said, refuse to help. The only thing that sets him apart from most of his other readings or known readings at this time is the man was black. Oh, I thought that's where this was going. Damn it. Did he know he was being tested or scrutinized at this point by he this board? He knew it before, yeah. yeah. Okay, so he was aware of it. He, aware he of was the... aware that he was going to be scrutinized. He was not aware of the methods that they would use. Go, yeah, okay. use. And then just to top it all off, this dude's black, so you don't want to do anything. 
They Again, didn't though, choose him was on in purpose because they know he's racist, though. No, not they at all. Like, no, we this need is a just sick a random person. guy that, yeah, who was a little sick oh, from like, Edgar. in dire straits. But in Edgar's defense, presumably he didn't know when he, you know, before he went into trance, Edgar didn't see the man. So the source is the racist. The source saw him. Uh-huh. Because we've already established Edgar wants to know nothing beforehand. Right. He wants to know nothing of his Ed, It's not Edgar. It's, it's for better, the source yeah, doing it's, it's this. It's better yes. for okay. Edgar. If you go to the source's Twitter, it's just all all lives matter stuff. That's that's all you see on there. <laughs> Sorry, just um, and like, I mean, I try to like this guy. You know, yeah. I want the subject to right. be somewhat relatable in some way, but he makes it hard. <laughs> no, he really does. But so many people love him. Is the thing, and maybe he starts to change later. All right, we'll, well you see. Know, keep a little bit of an open mind to him because he. I didn't like make... the pit idea. Yeah, he made a fun game. I mean, maybe it might suck. We'll see. Yeah, we're we're gonna find out soon. Don't worry. Yeah, the review will be in the next episode. Yes. Uh, so, you know, this there are definitely defenders who claim that Casey's not racist in any way. I think um, po- there's to me, if I were to give a definite like what I think, I think in 1906. Edgar Casey was subconsciously racist. I, as in, I think that he thought that African Americans were lesser than to some sort of extent. Like, that's what his upbringing would tell him. Yeah, I mean, there's a strong Confederate thing yes, going on there. Yes. In 2021, he would just be called a racist. Oh, yeah. You know, the, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the equivalent now would be like a chiropractor just refusing to treat a black patient, right? Kind of. Except yeah. if uh, that's another like yeah. wacko doctor. <laughs> hey, I, I did air quotes. I've been but. to a chiropractor. It helped me. All right. But, um, after this though, and they brought him out of the trance that same night. They put him back into a trance. Then later, because they said, "Hey, you didn't do anything." And mm. he was like, "Oh, my bad." They put him <laughs> back bad. in. But now the source isn't going to work because they already he already knows what's happening. The source came back. Source came back. Don't worry. He he works okay. in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. The doctors uh, needed to see if he was really in a trance because I guess they had the same concerns that John here did. So they decided to start poking him. Literally. <laughs> Is that how you confirm that someone's in a trance? Dude, it's, 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 I mean, you just know if they, you're children. You just poke it with a stick. See what happens. If they didn't poke with a stick or a finger, they poked with needles. Oh. They started poking him with things, needles injected with, like, drugs. What? Yes. They poked him, they stabbed him in his foot, in his arm, and his cheek. Ow! And the whole time, Edgar Casey, no movement <laughs> whatsoever from Edgar Casey. He's uh. just laying there. Because, as I established earlier, when a object or hand or anything passes over the top of Edgar Casey while he's in trance, the whole trance reading stops. That's so right. as they're doing this stuff, he's not... Because they're interfering yes. with the source. Okay, yes. I, get, I get it. One doctor went so far to see if he was faking it that he actually took a pen knife, put it under his fingernail, and no. ripped his no, fingernail no, no, no. off. No, 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 yeah, no, no, God damn. Yes. Uh-huh. Edgar Casey came out of trance, and blood began pouring profusely out of. Yeah, I don't like nail stuff, man. Him. No, because you'd have to like hold the hand down. No, man, no, you know. I admire his, uh, his, you know, I mean, trance. I don't know. No, yeah. he came out of the trance for this. He came out of the trance. Well, yeah, but he was, yeah, but he, he didn't bleed or show any sort of signs of 
being And he hurt. didn't move while they were prying yeah, so open his fingernail. Until it popped off. And then and once then... his trance came out, he started bleeding from his finger. His finger wasn't even bleeding, even though there was no fingernail on it. And then once he came out of the trance, he started bleeding. How long from the fingernail pop off to the end of the trance Un- is what I'm trying to... Uncertain. Okay. I'll give him a pass for that, though. I mean, if you're assuming that a trance can exist... If you have that level of excruciating pain, I'll accept that that can bring you out of a trance. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Well, remember, Leslie's with him, and Leslie... Leslie. They're just letting him hurt his boy! Leslie grabs him and takes him home. <laughs> Leslie says, no more! <laughs> That's no. where he draws the line. They've been stabbing him for hours. <laughs> and Jesus. later... In... Well, he's drunk, so it's, it, it takes a little bit more to get yeah, to him. That's true. Uh, this would effectively... Um, end his partnership with Dr. John Blackburn. And no, I don't see why. This was the, yes, this was the end of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but later that year, 1906, one of Edgar Casey's of, because he had actually built another photo studio. He had two going at this time, both being oh, successful. He's franchising that. Yes, really? he really was. He had uh, someone running one studio, and he would bounce between the two, but primarily was set up in his first one. Mm. One of his studios got burned to the ground. Again, just keep in mind the amount of times that something gets caught on fire mm-hmm. around Edgar Casey, because we already established him having his couch while he was laying on it. From smoking, most likely. Most likely, but could be the devil inside of him. That's also probable. I mean, uh, people, he's a subconscious arsonist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people tried to blame it on uh, the Night Riders. Which Pardon? The, the Night Riders are a vigilante group uh, that were around uh, this time frame who would ride around and uh, burn stuff, basically. Oh. They were, but they were burning tobacco giants. They were basically, they were striking out against the big tobacco companies oh, that I were see. founding at this time. I see. And some people believe that Edgar Casey, um, he had done a reading for one of these big tobacco <laughs> guys in the area, and so they think that the Night Riders were mad and it struck out at Edgar Casey. Edgar Casey's like working all the well, parties least, for Philip Morris executives. At least they tied it back to it somehow. I thought that you were just being like, oh, they do then. No, no, so that's a theory, but there's nothing to substantiate hmm. that theory. And, you know, the first thing that struck my mind was, okay, he did it himself. Insurance money. money, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he lost. Or the to, source. Or <laughs> the source. Burn it. That's why I said some conscious arsonist. But. He lost a ton of money because he had artwork that was on consignment. So oh. he didn't actually own the artwork that was in there. And so he owed like $8,000 for that alone. But one little happy nugget was uh, early 1907, his first child was born. Uh-huh. This child, it's a little boy named Hugh Lynn, named after Gertrude's uh, brothers, I believe. Hugh Lynn? Yeah, uh, in September of 1907, his other photography studio caught on fire. Wow. Okay, it might, yeah, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the stuff to develop is actually really flammable. There's flammable things, yes, but still, it's kind of mm, yeah. It's switch to Polaroids, dude. This ain't <laughs> for you. Is this it's is this still the time when the Flash was had to light that thing of powder on fire, or is it? Or is That's this, what I'm picturing. Or is this that, new enough that there's electricity, electric lights being put into this? Because you know what I'm talking about. They I held up the little think, thing, and they. I would think that it probably changed in his lifetime. Okay. Like as he's doing photography. Okay. Would be my guess. So Edgar is pretty destitute at this point. Both of his photography studios, he has, still hasn't recovered from the first one being burned to the ground. This one wasn't nearly as bad. He didn't really lose money. Mm. It's he just lost. You know he. 
he lost a studio. <laughs> but he didn't like he lost real time. estate, yeah, especially with the yeah. insurance. They actually did get some kind of payout. He didn't. He just kind of broke even on this, but he doesn't have a space anymore. Yeah, he uh, started allowing Leslie to take a bigger force in his um, reckoning with the source. This sounds good. This is like a sitcom premise. Right? Leslie started some get rich quick schemes, Whoa. like he does, and uh, he wanted to like there was things like. Collecting on a reward for a missing person. Oh my God, uh, Leslie! You know, things like that. And then though they started a whole business, uh-huh. which was centered around Edgar Casey's, you know, psychic powers, playing to the stock market. Oh my God, what a true American man! Yeah, I this mean, is great. you can't, you can't yeah. get more. <laughs> Leslie's like, okay, I like your ideas, but you gotta monetize it, son. <laughs> yes, exactly. And they were reported to have actually started making a killing. Yeah. With the stock market scheme, but they had business partners. So the business partners, they were basically telling the business partners who had the money what to do, and then they were giving mm-hmm. kickbacks. Right. The business partners stopped listening because they were saying that makes no sense eventually. Mm-hmm. So the money completely ran dry there. So they took the business to the horse racing tracks. Perfect. This is all, it all fits. And once again, they made a lot of money. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing he got out. And then, otherwise, right. they would have blamed him for the crash. That's right. Yeah. Good timing. Well, Maybe. here's though <laughs> Edgar Casey. Um, things started to go a little south for him, though, at this point, because. And he thought this was a direct response from God for the way he was using his gift mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, um, Gertrude's brother, Hugh, uh, he was sent to Texas to treat uh, tuberculosis. Edgar so, tried going into trance for him to try to you know do a reading for him to how to, he could get better. Edgar was unable to go into trance for the first time since he had lost his voice. Like this, he went through a nice period of where you know, is his voice lost during all this? He ha- hasn't lost his voice again. Oh, okay. But he has lost the ability to go into trance. Clarification, real quick. Did you say Brother Hugh got sent to treat ter- tuberculosis? He has tuberculosis. So he's getting it treated. He wasn't treating okay. other people. Yes. I, I was, I, okay, good, because I thought he was a doctor going there to treat, and I was like, why is that a punishment no. from God? Okay, got it, got it, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying there. So, once again, Edgar Casey got on everyone's nerves as he moved back into the hill with Gertrude and her family. Um, he basically, again, just read his Bible and sulked his days away. That's all he would do. But this time, though, he got a little, got a little wild hair, and he decided, what's what's the way to break out of this? Go into Alabama. Mm, never a good decision, dude. Never. <laughs> so he decided to do everything that he had done in Bowling Green, Hopkinsville, and Louisville, and just do it in Alabama now. Okay. He moved to Gadsden, Alabama. He started working at a photo studio there. Okay, if this ends with him refusing to do a reading for a young Martin Luther King. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Martin Luther ain't... Martin Luther's born at this point, but Martin Luther King ain't born yet. He's not dead yet, though. No, he's not. He's got... got, got Oh, you're saying later down the road. Later down the road. Not just Alabama. Okay. In Alabama, he would become a Sunday school teacher. Mm. He would uh, start getting involved in the Christian Endeavor programs that they had there. Um, And basically, yeah, just living the exact same life that he always did. The good life. Um, In 1910, uh, he would... Oh, and he actually uh, started to be able to read again. 
That's I mean, good. do his readings. Again. Oh, Sorry, okay. Going into trance, I should say. <laughs> he was temporarily illiterate. <laughs> well, he couldn't spell cabin temporarily, so... <laughs> he but can no. spell it now. He uh, was able to read again because... Do his readings again because uh, he felt that he was doing things back again with the church and everything like that and getting refocused and was uh, back on the right path. So, He's got too much of a conscience to be the pure con artist he yeah. was destined to be. He's got to just let it fly. Leslie's just go with trying it. to teach him yeah. how to Leslie's the con. devil on your shoulder saying, go out there, man. Get paid. Get laid. And Edgar's just like... <laughs> so, uh, in 1910, Edgar Casey would find a good job, this time in Montgomery, Alabama, with the Tressler Company. Oh, he, he learned his lesson about building his own shit because it just burns down. So, it's just mm -hmm. like, I'll work yeah, for somebody so else. Just, so, I'll burn their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he um his whole time in Alabama that he had spent there he really cultivated quite a following there uh his he was given like people really bought him in Alabama they yeah really I can see did. that they really liked Edgar Casey down there and he would find one person who's actually back in Hopkinsville who had just got there just a little too late to get on the Casey train and his name was Doctor Wesley Ketchum all right. <laughs> Anybody want to make a Pokemon joke? No, no, I was, I was, I was trying to think of something decent, uh, but I was like, no. I don't know. I don't know enough to make a Pokemon reference. Ash Ketchum. Oh, yeah, it's that's the only Ketchum I can yeah. think of. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, hey, Edgar's a real Squirtle. You know what I mean? Getting real Snorlax vibes from Edgar. I am actually. He's going to sleep. <laughs> so, Doctor Wesley Ketchum, he would go on to have a uh, hair that would make make more sense. Damn it, you, you got me off on <laughs> I wasn't even paying attention. I was like, go on. Okay, come back from the Pokemon fever dream. So Dr. Wesley Ketchum would uh, go on to have a very profound effect on uh, Edgar's life. Ketchum, like I said, was back in Hopkinsville, and he sent for, for Casey, he sent him railroad tickets to get back to Hopkinsville. Wow. And said he's got, he needs to do some I readings. need you here. Yeah, he was serious. So did his Alabama cult come following him back up top or no? Not immediately. So their partnership, they really took off. Ketchum started having the best rapport that any, possibly at any point of time, anyone had with the source. Hmm. Um, for some reason, he actually had a better rapport with the source than he did with Edgar Casey. Edgar Casey didn't like Wesley Ketchum. It's kind of awesome. But the source did. What the hell? Yeah. It's stupid, but it's awesome. <laughs> So they were, and they were just doing these readings uh, in Hawkinsville at this time. Uh, but he was still living, had his studios and like he was doing, had his work in Alabama. He was just up in Hawkinsville for a time. Uh -huh. So on October 10th of 1910, Edgar Casey uh, went into his office in Alabama and found a reporter sitting there waiting for him. The reporter started throwing a newspaper at him saying, you're, you're a hit. And the newspaper was a copy of the New York Times. Holy shit. Casey had a huge story titled, Illiterate Man Becomes a Doctor When Hypnotized. <laughs> oh, that's great. I didn't expect yeah. the illiterate you to come back. You make it into the New York Times and they call you an illiterate boob. Which Edgar Casey hated. Oh, that's awesome. But his love for the notoriety... Far yeah. outweighed his hatred for the way they portrayed him. Hey, any press is good press, or whatever. Uh, really, yeah. their original yeah. their original headline was "Deeply Stupid Man <laughs> Has Supernatural Powers." 
Well, along with the story, there was also three photos. One of Edgar, one of Ketchum, and one of Leslie. Yes! Yeah. Because... Leslie's holding a beer in his picture in the Times. <laughs> Leslie had given them the photos. Of course. Because yeah. they went to Hopkinsville yeah. to find out things about him. Oh, so Leslie didn't go to Alabama? Not right now. Okay. Leslie did go to Alabama with him. It's a whole thing. Okay. Leslie was always just a little puppy following right behind his boy. But uh, when they got to Hopkinsville, they all they found was Leslie. And Leslie was like, I am more than yeah. happy. I'll give you everything Now's you need. Now's my chance. He's a good boy. <laughs> First thing you need to know. So the origins, though, of this article came about from a speech that Ketchum had given to a medical group about Edgar Casey. Because mm-hmm. Ketchum was a doctor. He was an actual medical okay. doctor. And he gave a full speech. He didn't actually give Edgar Casey's name, and that's the reason the article, the article itself, never names Edgar Casey, or well, oh. it doesn't at first. The reporters dug in, went to Hopkinsville because he did say it was in Hopkinsville. They went to Hopkinsville. People were easily like, "Oh, that freak! Yeah, it's Edgar <laughs> Casey." And you know, reporters just had a field day. New York Times went out with this, and then, I mean, it blew up. Courier Journal in Kentucky, uh, of course, everything around Edgar Casey. He became a little bit of a celebrity in the area now in Kentucky. Mm. And then even in Alabama, reporters started reporting on that and his the local papers where he was living at the time. Like I said, he had mixed feelings on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they never realized that he didn't live in Hopkinsville and he was living in Alabama. So there was just reporters just... Le- Leslie kept telling them, he'll be back, guys, don't worry. Don't <laughs> go anywhere, he'll be back. So they were just hanging around Hopkinsville constantly, so much so that the Latham Hotel in Hopkinsville was getting... Huge business, and the owner, Albert No, started discussing a business with himself, Ketchum, Leslie, and Edgar. Okay. And Edgar accepted. <laughs> In their deal, however, Edgar and Leslie would get half the proceeds. The other half would go to No and Ketchum. But with that half, they would also have to pay overhead costs and finance another photo studio in Hawkinsville. Ketchum and... Ketchum and No would have to finance these okay. things for Edgar, Casey, and Leslie. Well, I mean, it makes... Whereas Casey and Leslie were just taking the money and not well, having to do but, any okay. but No and Ketchum had other incomes because no, no was getting the hotel money and Ketchum's getting doctor money. True, so. true, true, true. Um, so everybody agreed to this, and this time, Leslie would conduct the readings. Oh, my God. That's right. Leslie is conducting the readings for the good boy. Is he... Sober up for this, or is he? Hell no. It's oh. Leslie. Okay, good point. Good point. He's got open sores and drunken <laughs> stupors galore. So, three months after the partnership was cemented, this is February 13th, 1911, they performed a reading about the future of their partnership. The source told all present to take the money, but not from those who can't afford it, and to always remember the ultimate goal is to help. People. I mean, he was doing pro bono photo work, so I guess that makes yeah. sense. It, tie, it ties. Yeah. And uh, not only that, though, they should not just cure people uh, like their physical ailments. They should work to open people's minds. The readings finished with the statement, The minute we gain credence and give credit to ourselves, we lose it all. Okay. So, <laughs> once again, they kept Edgar away from their patients. Um, they started. They went through some legal matters to get certifications to make sure that they weren't just going to get just disbanded by mm-hmm. uh, you know once they said that Edgar doesn't have a medical license the a judge in the area gave him the clearance 
And they all agreed that Edgar would do no more than two readings a day. Okay. And this is their business. He just has to. So he's not like completely drained. Yeah. 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 But remember, don't feed him beforehand. Don't feed him. He's like a grandma. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Don't pour water on him. Uh, The source. Don't bring the source out after midnight. (laughs) (laughs) I wish they never did say anything about stuff like that. Um, But the business was very successful. And uh, so they just started helping people, but they were taking money for it, basically. So they were running mm-hmm. out of almost a doctor's office, but with Edgar Casey giving readings. And then Ketchum would administer the treatments Edgar Casey would give. That's a really good setup. Yeah. I got to give him props for this one. This is a pretty good it's a pretty good deal. Uh, one just bizarre thing that I just want to just tell real quick, because I just don't get it, is that Edgar Casey claims that when they were having a celebratory dinner at a hotel, at the Latham Hotel, um, they were visited by a stranger who wore a turban, oh, shit. and he was oh, uh, no. wearing other. Damn they just Edgar. said he's an East Indian. Okay. <laughs> and the the visitor told all partners to be, beware of greed and self serving interests, and then mysteriously left, never seen again. Well, that sounds like a definitely true thing that really <laughs> happened. Uh, Leslie was there, by the way. Leslie was there to see this. But thanks, well, that's very uh, powerful. <laughs> things did keep going well as far as business. One reading during this time was for a woman in a wheelchair, uh, which Edgar said the origin of her issue. This is just a little story for you guys here mm-hmm. to enjoy. The source of her issue was from a quote-unquote secret sin which kept her wow. from marrying from the ages of 18 to 39. The secret sin was, any guesses? Um, Syphilis. Mm, not lesbian. Let me see here. Uh, she she uh, f- she flicked her bean once. Masturbation! Yeah! <laughs> Woo! So for 20 years, she was masturbating so much that she couldn't get in a relationship. That's great. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of woman. During this time, uh, Edgar, again, he didn't care for Ketchum. Yeah. Um, but the source loved Ketchum, and the source started really getting his personality really shining. He's feeling himself. Yeah, he, he was. Um, I'm just going to give a quick few examples of some things. That the, the source is a male, right? Or is it like it? It's it's a being. It's okay. an entity. But he refers to himself as he, I would say. I would say. He actually refers to himself as they. Oh, Okay. He was really ahead of the curve on pronouns. <laughs> Someone once asked the source how to uh, how to overcome their worrying, and he just the source said, "Quit worrying." <laughs> Beautiful. Another time, when a patient asked if a medication should be rubbed on the outside, he was told, "You can't rub it on the inside." I don't like him. <laughs> he should be a smart ass now. <laughs> I paid money for this shit. I guess that's what happens when Leslie starts running it. Yeah, really. Uh, Ketchum, by the way, his official, like, his theory about the source in Edgar Casey was that he believed that it, the source was Edgar Casey's subconscious mind tapping into a database of information and that his spirit was free to commune with other spirits. Spiritual web MD. Yeah. Fuck, dude. He believed that his spirit, so when he was treating someone else, he was going, his spirit was going and talking to that person's spirit and coming back with a diagnosis. All right. Yeah. So it's like, it, yeah, it's like fixing computer virus or something like you just 
looking. But okay. see, it's actually here's why Edgar Casey is a great doctor. The woman who was addicted to having at herself, she wouldn't feel comfortable saying that to a real doctor. But her subconscious, See? she'll open up yes, to the exactly. source. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And the source, because Edgar Casey brought up this whole secret sin, didn't say what it was. Mm-hmm. She later grabbed Ketchum and said, I can't believe the source said that. Mm-hmm. I haven't told anyone about this. There you ever. go. It was masturbation. I masturbated a lot. It's, it's actually, it could be a pretty effective strategy with very repressed people. Sure. I mean, isn't that what hypnosis is anyway? Yeah, Except he's the one that hypnotized. They're yeah. not hypnotized. Yeah. I mean, that's weird. It is. Getting real, you're getting real meta with it. I didn't even think strange. about it from that angle, yes. yeah. So in 1910, uh, Edgar had also, he had helped a man, uh, just one of his readings, named Frank Moore. Uh, he became the owner of a mine, and he loved Edgar, which was actually a result of the reading. He became, as he saw it, his ownership of a mine was a direct result of Edgar Casey's mm. reading. And with the money that he had from it, he said, I'm going to give back to Edgar. So he became a business partner, in theory, to build a hospital for Edgar Casey. Jesus. Because that became Edgar Casey's from this point on, because it was Frank Moore's idea to begin with, but Edgar Casey loved it so much that he never let go of this idea the rest of his life. Does he not know that he burns down his own real estate? I guess he wasn't awake for that. (laughs) Um, So... Because he felt that if he was in a hospital setting, he could have people on hand at all times to monitor his patients. Because he was doing so many readings that were people, you know, he, they would go home and he didn't know because they were such weird treatments. He didn't know if they were doing them correctly or they would be like mailed in and he would, you know, people from New York and things like that. So what setting are they doing it in now? Just in the hotel? So they're in uh, the photo studio. They're in the back of the photo studio. That they had given. Remember, they, uh, they were paying no and catch him. We're paying for the overhead cost of the photo studio back in in Hawkinsville. Okay, They've given him now a photo studio. So does he want like that. you mean like a hospital or like yes. a doctor's office? He wants a hospital with other doctors there. With doctors that will use the treatments that he gives. So if it's only like that kind of thing, and but it's yeah. a quote unquote hospital. Yes. How do they like? How does funding work exactly? That's where Frank Moore is supposed to come. Okay. He's supposed to fund everything. Um, unfortunately, and some the source didn't see this coming, Moore was badly injured, and Ketchum and No were having second thoughts because they were in on this hospital deal, but they weren't excited about it, and now they were just like, okay, the dude's hurt. Let, we're well, not it's getting in cutting into their anymore. stuff, probably. Yeah, well, because, I mean, No def- definitely doesn't want to happen because then these people... Oh, there'd be just people staying at the hospital instead of at the hotel. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the whole reason he got involved was for people staying and at the hotel. Yeah, he's got, he's and Ketchum would, have, Ketchum would have to yeah. delegate. And then, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, well, Ketchum's probably going to actually take on, like, a lot of workload if they did that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's going to have to supervise yeah, other doctors. Yeah, he would have to and, ho- work at this hospital, not just... Yeah, it's been a gravy train for everybody yes. around Edgar. Yes, yeah. And, yeah, okay, yeah, they don't want it. So, Edgar, um, the deal fell through there. But Edgar was also in some bad publicity now, just purely bad. This came from a man named Roswell Field. That's an amazing name. Oh, this my God. Roswell, Roswell worked Field. for the uh, Chicago Examiner. They approached Casey with the idea of writing a series of articles and even a book just about Edgar Casey. Field described in his subsequent article, as he found Edgar Casey when he walked into his studio, Sitting there in the studio in the most approved Kentucky fashion. 
lounging on a sofa. What? Um, he's digging on Kentucky, guys. Why is that a dig? Because he's just calling him lazy. Oh, okay. He's saying instead of he's in in his office, but just laying in the couch. I see. Not doing anything. Okay. Sick just burn. Yeah. Got him. Man down, man down. I, a lot, lot's <laughs> hey, changed in the years. I don't years. have a sofa, so there you go. I'm not a true Kentuckian <laughs> yet. Casey did travel to Chicago to work on this article, and uh, the trip was just a disaster. Uh, yeah. Casey and Leslie. Leslie in Chi-Town. Oh, baby. <laughs> yeah, imagine what he was doing. Gosh. Um, they did not feel comfortable. Leslie discovers hard drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they didn't feel comfortable, though, with um, the line of questioning that they gave him, and uh, because they also brought out kind of like a lineup of doctors strangely enough and this is such a weird coincidence one of the doctors that roswell field brought in was one the same doctor that stabbed him in the foot wow and he was, came back for more <laughs> so and leslie was already like i don't like it i don't like it yeah, so leslie's like how do you know dr butcher too <laughs> leslie put an end to it Mm. Which then brought about the title. He said, what of are you doing article. to my son? <laughs> He's a good boy. The title of the article that Roswell Field brought out in the Chicago Examiner was He Came, We Saw, But He Did Not Call. <laughs> oh my God. He has some of the best headlines. In March of 1911, Gertrude would give birth to their second son, Milton Porter Casey. Milty. Edgar was so focused on Ketchum and No, and um, they had really just started going, arguing so much after this whole Chicago thing. Um, it started breaking apart. Their whole partnership did. Uh, he was barely home. Um, he and Gertrude, I don't know what Gertrude's doing, but they did not give baby Milton the attention or the nourishment that baby Milton needed. And they also ignored the doctor's warnings that Milton had a severe case of whooping cough. One month and 20 days later, Mar May 17th, 1911, Milton Porter died. R.I.P. It's a very sad moment. I mean, it's a little yeah, baby. It's a second born. That's why I said R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. NPC. Edgar had tried a last minute reading. Oh, um, now, come on now, and Edgar. And nothing came of it. That's when you're believing your own bullshit. Like, no, but he me. does. That's he the does. thing. Know, he does. But come on, fuck you at this point. Um, and this was not the end of their problems as Gertrude uh, began just kind of withering away at this point. Of course, she already remember she did that when Edgar was in Louisville. She likes yeah. to wither. But, I mean, obviously this he is pouts, much more serious. <laughs> yes. No, he sulks. Oh, yeah. yeah. He sulks, yeah. she withers. Edgar thought it was just like when he went to Louisville, really. That's what he thought, and he thought she'd be okay. He already consoled little Hugh Lynn, their other kid, mm -hmm. and then Edgar was just like, okay, back to the work. And Gertrude's like, no, I just lost a baby. And by July of 1911, though, Gertrude couldn't do any household chores. She was thin, throwing up blood. And Dr. Jackson, who had been given the whooping cough diagnosis that they had basically ignored, he told uh, Gertrude that, um, yeah, you got the TB. Oh. You got tuberculosis, which she most definitely got whenever her brother had it because she went to Texas with him for mm. a brief time. Edgar declared, I knew I had to give a reading. Oh, no. And on August 2nd, 1911, Edgar gave a reading to his wife, Gertrude. Uh, Gertrude, remember, she hated all right. business of the readings and all this stuff. It almost broke so up So this marriage. is probably very comforting to her. Oh, she hates every minute of this. But to calm her, 
Edgar gathered all of their uh, family and like their closest friends to be in the room as he did the reading. And again, though, she has tuberculosis and he's like, gather in the room, guys. This is calming her. She is yeah. really sick and he and she's going along with this to comfort his dumb ass. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's yeah. 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 I don't know what else to say, but yeah. And they began praying, which Edgar told them to do the whole time he was in trance. The treatment plan that came from this trance included osteopathic adjustments for her back. So like stretching. Inhalation of spirits, which he would later clarify to be wow. apple brandy, to okay. relieve the specifically Hit me with to, that E and J, baby. <laughs> this was uh, specifically designed to relieve the congestion in her lungs, and he uh, prescribed a cocktail of drugs, which included uh, several different drugs. But the biggest one that popped out to me was heroin. I don't know why that popped out to you. It was oh, a very also, common drug at the time. And they also wanted heroin mixed in with the crystallized phosphates of soda. <laughs> so she was yeah. taking like laudanum and drinking it. She wasn't shooting her shooting it up at this point, right? No, sure yeah, no, be. it was mixed in with like a yeah, a, yeah, a, a bunch of other drugs that was then put into her system. Uh, this was helped to cleanse the blood and her organs. Then she also was put on a diet high in iron and raw vegetables and laxatives, which were to be injected directly into her colon. Oh, my God. Um, the atten- Dr. Jackson didn't like this plan. I don't like it either. Um, he was amazed by the reading. It was did report that he was amazed by this reading, but still was frightened of the treatment plan. So Ketchum, uh, he didn't care, and he filled <laughs> everything out as verbatim. He was like, yep, yeah, put it all in her. And... Um, you forget that he's an actual medical doctor yeah. sometimes. Yes, yeah, it is forgettable with Ketchum. Um, all went according to plan, though, and um, she kept going. She started doing her household chores and everything back to normal. She would have be weaker kind of throughout the rest of her life and have bouts of, you know, feeling crummy. But overall, not bad. Right. Considering she had tuberculosis, yeah. not bad. In the late months of 1911, some issues again arose for Edgar and Ketchum as they started being looked into for medical malpractice because of Ketchum being an actual doctor. And also at this time, the dean of psychology from Harvard, a man named Hugo Munsterberg, paid a visit to Hawkinsville. And the whole purpose, as he was telling everyone in Harvard, was to reveal Edgar for the fraud that he Yes. Was. Here's um, our hero, finally. No, don't oh. put your anything into him because he failed uh, we'll and went home that, and didn't say a word about it. He's not the hero we want, but he's the hero we deserve. There Let's go, Hugo. Let's go, Hugo. <laughs> yeah, Hugo really does nothing. Oh. He went there, said, I can't figure it out. Damn it, Hugo. Come on, <laughs> man. Um, it, But the whole time that they're... So this is all happening, though. And it's like the Roswell... You know, the bad press is hammering in on him, uh, medical malpractice, all that. Ketchum, he doesn't care. He was reported to have bought one of the very first cars ever to be driven in Hawkinsville, um, which they called a brush roadster. Don't know what it is. Um, And it was also a poorly held secret that, and this might be why he didn't care about this stuff, is that he was having an affair Uh, with a French teacher. Oh, I thought it was going to be Gertrude. No, not that juicy. Yeah. Edgar got wind around this time also that Ketchum had taken upon himself to every so often, because they always had a stenographer working these readings, every so often Ketchum would tell the stenographer to leave. 
Edgar had no knowledge of this because, you know, he was in trance. So Edgar confronted Ketchum on this, and basically it was Ketchum asking him about gambling and how to make some cash. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was sneaking a little bit yeah, extra. he was. And uh, Ketchum saw the writing on the wall, and he got See, yep. out of town, and Casey never saw him again. Mm. I mean, he, And the source never saw him either. That's the real yeah, bromance. Yeah, the source was sad. Yeah. Um, it was reported that Ketchum found his way with his mistress yeah. to Hawaii. Oh, all right. Yeah. And I'll let you guys know, too. Happy ending for him. Ketchum eventually uh, moved to Southern California. He settled in Southern California, had a medical practice in Southern California that was successful, lived his days with his new wife in beautiful locations. He did also later support Edgar Casey, and when Edgar Casey died, he like released very good press and things about Edgar Casey huh. and supported the legacy of Edgar Casey. Mm. Okay. But yeah, he um he lived a great life after this. Yeah, uh, sounds uh, like it. So going back to Edgar. Edgar seemed lost, really, after this. Um, he goes through phases. Yeah, and he literally walked away from his photo studio. Yeah. And he went back to Alabama. Like, oh. Without Gertrude, who had just recovered from tuberculosis. She'll be all right. And without his kid. He'll be fine, too. Um, and Leslie was going to come with him to Alabama, though. But he had a broken kneecap. How? I don't know how Drunken fall. That. Probably. I'm going to say that, or... a. Angry, you know, person who he owes money to. <laughs> he got knee, <laughs> literally got kneecap. Um, but Leslie, while being in Hopkinsville, started court proceedings against Ketchum and No for breach of contract. Uh, the case was dismissed eventually. Yeah. And here's though a very just this is the only reason why I even bring that up because it really doesn't have anything to do with the future story. But Edgar was furious. He came back to Hopkinsville just for the case, you know, for the court hearing. And Edgar got up in the middle of the court hearing, pointed at the judge and said, For the lie you have this day enacted, the worms of your body will eat you up while you are yet alive. The judge got hookworms in the months after this, and which brought on anemia, and he died from it. Ah, bless. Oh. Or so Edgar said. Oh, oh shit. Okay. See, <laughs> damn it. Why'd you do that to us? Casey this time settled in Selma, Alabama, which they oh. called a, hmm. was supposedly a river boom town at the time. And um, he, yeah, like I said, didn't bring his family. And he um, became a deacon for a church. And he started working with the Christian Endeavor, even though he's getting a little too old for the Christian Endeavor now because it's for the young people. Oh, it's a youth group. I forgot. It's a youth group. <laughs> He's the creepy youth and pastor just hanging on. Is, for, is he that guy? Is he yes. like the cool youth yes, pastor? Like, look, yes. kids, I don't give a damn. That's right. I swear occasionally. I listen to rock music. You guys ever hear Switchfoot? Is he like that <laughs> youth pastor? Except, but he's like Edgar well, Casey, so it's got that creepy voice that I can't hey do. Hey there, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That just makes I, it worse. I like to get down. So he did... Um, funny that you would say all that because he started a bible study class that they would call class number seven they called it class number seven because that was the number of the room that they would go into oh, cool right God. they even published a magazine that edgar himself wrote called the sevenette 
Get it? Seven. This is so Gazette, fucking lame. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> uh, remember, guys, this is we're talking like 1911, 1912. I know, but so no, I'm saying Edgar Casey is a grown man. Yeah, he is a oh, full yeah. grown man. Oh, he's forty yeah. something right now, ain't he? Or is he thirty something? He'd be in his thirties. Mm. So, but he seems happier like now than he had in years. Yeah, I don't like how happy the kids make him. Right, and he's away from his family. Remember that. Too. That's mm. when he really um, blossoms. He invented another card game. Oh. Yeah, not just Pit. He invented a game called Drinks with an X at the end. Mm. Again, hip guy. He's cool. Yeah. So the object of this game wow. is to collect all the cards His in a particular stereotype suite. was very ahead of his yeah, time. Really? That's like <laughs> 90s shit. So it's uh, to collect all the cards in a particular suite. It's All the cards are represented by a different type of fruit juice or soda. And there's also a trump card called a mixed drink, which you can play to substitute a card. No, so no, no, no. That's not... a different game you're talking about. The real game the, the real game ca- drinks that he invented, the card game, is you just play poker with two 13-year-old girls and then have sex with them. John? <laughs> <laughs> He's got his own code, I guess. <laughs> he did uh, talk to a lawyer about this one. Before he about drinks. Yeah. Oh. That's the one no company yeah. wanted to get, though. And it only caught on in Selma. Oh, that's great. It was great. a Selma classic. Yeah. Edgar, though, also picked up poetry, guys. Oh, God. He picked up poetry, and I got a poem. I got a poem. So here it is. <sighs> it's the last thing he needed. I asked the roses as they grew, richer and lovelier in their hue. What made their buds so rich and bright? They answered, Looking toward the light. <laughs> oh, that's really good. Oh, yeah, wow. so wow. once again, he got a photo studio and he started doing trance readings in 1912 uh, in Selma. Edgar got Alf Butler. A new friend from church. Fucking Alf. He got oh Alf to God. conduct these readings. These and weirdos that he meets along the way. <laughs> There's so many. Alf would uh, bring a lot of people to him. It's somehow or another, I'm not sure how Alf and all this got... I'm not sure the connection here. I don't think anyone really does, but this is when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle mm. became aware of Edgar Casey and started writing to him. And they had a little letter correspondence similar to like Edison had with That's him. That's awesome. Or like how uh, Jack Parsons wrote Aleister Crowley. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's Edgar Casey. It's known that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle has as a definite interest in the spiritual mm, realm yeah. and in the kind of oddities. Uh, and he believes a lot of it. So it's not... The only strange thing about it really to me is that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is English. And Edgar Casey at this point time is it's across the pond yeah so that's a big deal for yeah. Casey. i like to think that doyle wrote him like i'm a big fan and casey's just like i don't really like your books <laughs> i mean i, I appreciate it but yeah mystery <laughs> genres just not for me <laughs> tell me what it is <laughs> so uh he's one of those people that flips to the back of the book and yeah. reads the conclusion <laughs> right. and he's like i, I see i didn't ha- i didn't have to waste the time and then he goes into trance and tells you who the murderer is yeah <laughs> so Word had spread about his, you know, new business, obviously, all over the place. And uh, I'm just going to be quick on this one. Um, but he got a request back in Kentucky, but in Lexington this time. There's a wealthy family from Hampton Court area, which is over by Transylvania University, if you're familiar with Lexington at all. They begged him to come and take care of their 
child. Mm-hmm. Um, so now he's doing a Rasputin route. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. He didn't actually come. Sorry, it wasn't uh, a child. It was a woman. Oh, okay. Sorry, that was, well, that's that was a, my bad. Geez. It was a woman. Um, but they, so Edgar Casey couldn't get anybody to conduct the readings because Leslie was incapacitated, still with a broken <laughs> kneecap, I think, at this time. So they called on a, and I only say this because it's important to Edgar Casey himself, they called upon a young Jewish man named Dave Kahn. Okay. The reason I say he's Jewish is because Edgar Casey, in a reading, he hasn't mentioned past, Jews before, though. It's only no, been black people. But... He has, the source has, though. Okay. The source once brought up saying, that Edgar Casey himself needs to keep a, pay attention to a Jewish man that will come into mm. your life. Okay, all so, right, that's acceptable. Okay, so, I yeah. mean it's kind of cringy, but I'll 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 allow it. So yeah, that that's all we got for right now. I'm Not like, like pay attention for like a bad reason. No. Okay. That they will have an importance on your life. All right. Okay. So Edgar, you know, did his thing. Uh, the woman recovered in time. The woman was paralyzed. And she would recover. She would even drive a car, even after being fully paralyzed. And Dave Kahn was made a full and total believer out of Edgar Casey. And Edgar Casey told the Kahn family that they could strike it rich by getting large containers for their grocery store because they own a grocery store. <laughs> what? So they said basically it was so strange. They could drive up to Chicago, buy a bunch of large containers because you can't get them down in Kentucky, bring those large containers they can only get in Chicago back down to Kentucky and use those and you will corner the market. They did all that and they did. They were rich. So he told he told them to go to Costco, buy in bulk, and come back. Basically. Um, okay. And then he started doing some readings about uh, career advice, basically. Edgar Hold Casey. on. And back in the day, you said he was a bad businessman. Yeah, he was. Finally, it was after this time that the family joined Edgar Casey down in Selma. And uh, despite little Hewlin, he didn't care for it. But um, they were reported to be quite happy after a time in Selma. And uh, Leslie found his way to Selma eventually. Leslie. And uh, Leslie actually started doing photography himself. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and he was not reported to have any special talent at it, but he was I serviceable. That. He was you know serviceable. those like, drunken photos you find on your <laughs> <Yeah>. phone? Like, <laughs> Feeling cute, like, might delete later. He actually did work in the studio. Leslie, like oh, uh, uh, Edgar's developing stuff that Leslie took, and he's like, what the, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. uh, Hugh Lynn, though, actually even became a poster child for Melon's Baby Food Company. At this time, even though he was a little old for, to be considered a baby, but and Hugh almost blew out an eye again. Okay, fire! Hugh Lynn set powder <laughs> on fire on accident, and it blew up his face, singed his eyebrows, and everything, and almost he almost lost an eye. Edgar gave a reading and cured him. Um, and actually, Gertrude at this time is now, because of the tuberculosis treatment, she's a full believer now in her husband. Hmm. And oh, as far so as she, the readings she, go, okay. she's not exactly a full believer in some of his other things, but yeah. she's a full believer in the readings now. And she actually conducted this reading for Hugh Lynn herself. Huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's done a 180 now. Uh, it was also around this time, and this is just a little snippet. Uh, excuse here. me, I believe they say she pulled a 360. That's right. No, because then, <laughs> then she'd still be going in the same direction. She I know was. you fucking nitwit, Jesus. <laughs> was, so you, you, what like, you're trying to say is five forty? No, yeah. Excuse me, uh, it's no. a ten eighty. Thank a, you. I think then you're just going back with you a three sixty, and you're still going forward. <laughs> um, all right. So, how far out can you take it? 
1914, uh, just randomly, Edgar got an x-ray for the first time. And um, his x-ray was reported to have had the all the doctors were mystified. And they were passing around the whole <clears throat> county because the x-ray itself was showing as if it was two people. Bull fucking shit. Yeah. Uh, um, Edgar, we're just looking at your x-ray here, and it looks like uh, it indicates that you're crazy as shit. <laughs> well, okay. Are you ready for something else about Edgar Casey? that, again, ready for shock that's not actually going to be shocking at all to you? Uh, yes. He lost his voice, and his photo studio caught on fire. You know. Yeah, again. But this time, he didn't really care about either. Why voice, would you? He, yeah, because I guess he's like, oh, once again, he recovered his voice after some treatment done you know, by himself. Then Edgar, um, the photo studio, I guess he didn't lose anything too valuable. So he's just like, oh, just do it. We can't just fix it up and let's keep going. But Edgar had some other things on his mind. He um, had been in brief discussions with Universal Pictures about a script that was done based off of just him in oh. trance. The source not Edgar Casey, but the source. The source is a screenwriter yes. now. Yes, yes. <laughs> With Universal Pictures. Wait, this is silent era, right? Yeah. Okay. Nineteen fifteen. Okay. But um, unfortunately for Edgar, the it didn't get made. Oh, okay. Um, it's possible Edison's involvement might have. There's a chance. Bridge that. There's a chance. He uh, also just he also tried out a Ouija board for the first time, and Ooh. he had mixed reviews. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the general yeah. consensus on Ouija yeah, boards, he had right? Reviews. No, it's he, okay. No, he thought it was. He believed it fully. He oh, thought he was communing okay. with someone. He just thought his way was better. No, he thought that Ouija boards were just maybe a little too dangerous for the. <laughs> oh, that's so. He, he, he awesome. didn't. Li he didn't like that it was a mass market yes. thing where anybody <laughs> yeah. could. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> God, Edgar, Jesus, so, man. Edgar, then, he had given uh, Dave Kahn, the Jewish man, mm -hmm. he had given him a uh, reading when they first met. And this reading, he would tell Kahn that you would one day uh, leave home in a uniform in great honor, and you would come home in great so honor. So he serves in World War One. So yeah, Dave well. Kahn serves in World War One in 1917. Dave Kahn kept a correspondence with Edgar Casey throughout the whole war. Actually, even asking for readings. I know, I've seen the Ken Burns documentary. I know. <laughs> yes, Dave Conn and Edgar Casey. <laughs> that would have been a weird turn if Casey had got sent over there too. But <laughs> that would be amazing. I've got a reading, guys. No, but he did actually. Dave Conn even credited his rise through the ranks to Edgar Casey's readings because it was giving him like heads up on intel. Mm. And it's believed that their letters to each other had been intercepted by the military because Edgar Casey was called by. Truman, who was a senator at the time, but Truman's office itself called up Edgar Casey, and it's not exactly known why. It's been the most like secretive period of Edgar Casey's life, but it's very hinted at. Edgar Casey would often drop in like, "Yeah, something uh, really top secret went down. I'm not going to tell you what, but uh, it happened." Uh, you know, was Truman like the head of some war committee or something at that time? He, I mean. He was involved. Because yes. Truman's not an Alabama or Kentucky senator, right? No, but he was heavily involved. And uh, eventually, Edgar Casey became so involved in the military that President Woodrow Wilson himself called upon Edgar Casey. Again, I didn't see this turn, even though you told me some... Yeah. Again, not much is known about this. 
And it's believed that the Woodrow Wilson's involvement actually came after the war when Woodrow Wilson came down with, you know, had a stroke and oh, was okay, that makes on his way out sense. when oh, he was fighting for the League of Nations. Some people claimed that Woodrow Wilson contacted Edgar Casey on how to form the League of Nations. Oh my that's god. Just, no, that's just but like, I definitely Casey believe fan clubs. I definitely that. believe what I believe happened is that Woodrow Wilson had a stroke, no doctor could cure him. Woodrow Wilson's probably all, it was all he could do to just even talk at the meetings, at, at the gatherings that he had. Because, you know, he was pushing his body to the absolute limit at the end of his term. to try. It's to, possible maybe Edgar came up with a name. Maybe Woodrow I, was like, we're going to call it the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> and Edgar's like, how about the League of Nations? And Woodrow, hmm, okay. I, don't be- I think that maybe one of his aides just said it's worth a shot. Yeah. And called up Edgar De- Definitely. And not and I would say Woodrow Wilson himself had barely any even knowledge of what was happening yeah. at the time. That's my personal, you know, theory on that. In the years nineteen seventeen and nineteen twenty, readings uh would really just come tumbling out of Edgar Casey. It kind of hit a stride going at this point. Um they started going toward more and more towards the spiritual realm. Prophecies, spiritual teachings. The like. In 1918... Well, he doesn't have a doctor to work with anymore, so he's got a new field. He's uh, kind of just working with Leslie and uh, Alf Butler and and his wife. Those are the three people he's working with closely. Uh, And Dave Kahn, but he is in the war at the time. So, In uh, 1918, Edgar's third child, Edgar Evans, or Edgar Jr., was born. Despite everything going well, Edgar... Lost his voice again, and it was th- his turn this time to get a little run down instead of Gertrude. And um, for some reason, he was just a little depressed after the birth of a new child. Don't yeah. know why. Postpartum depression think- for the man. And this is how... Um, well, he's like, where do these things keep going from? Yeah. <laughs> Edgar would go into trance being conducted by Gertrude, his wife. Edgar would in trance to recover his voice. That's why he's going into trance. He would claim to have been interrupted, basically, in his trance, to where he he himself, Edgar Casey, the man, was seeing, almost like in a dreamlike state, a massive graveyard that held all the dead that there ever was, including his second child, Milton Porter. He would see friends, family members... People that he is, even his grandfather, Thomas Casey, he saw. These figures all started telling him, the ones that he didn't know, started telling him about how to help family members of theirs. And which Edgar Casey, after waking up, did. He told these people, here's how, you're going to need help and here's how. The source then, after that he woke up, and Edgar Casey felt even more inspired than ever. And the source was seemed to also just be frantic for more and more readings. Because he started that two a day out the window. He started doing as many as he can. And uh, it's actually the source even one time started bringing up information before anybody even asked it a question. It just like, here's the source and boom, the source started rolling before anybody, no questions asked. And it was at this time that Edgar Casey got a letter from Dave Kahn, who's just coming home from the war, mm-hmm. back to Lexington about forming a potential psychic partnership. Oh, Once yeah. again, and that is where we will pick up for our conclusion of Edgar Casey. Man, so yeah, time to go play some pit. <laughs>
Time to go play yeah, some time pit. To go play uh, some pit. Hopefully it's good, you know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it has a fancy bell. It does, yeah. Not enough bells in board games these days. <laughs> it's true. Well, anyways, guys, thanks for listening. Um, from Isaac, John, Dalton. Yeah. Um, next week on the John Goodman uh, podcast, uh, we're going to be watching Monsters University, also featuring the voice of Billy Crystals. So, Is it Crystals? Yeah, it's I was getting crystals. ready to say, I don't even know. <laughs> Billy Crystal Meth. <laughs> Thank you all. Bye.